You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Father, we put this time into your hands that you would speak to us, that there would be a great sense of your peace, but most of all that this morning we would learn your ways, you would teach us your ways, and that your word would be spoken to us and you would take the fog off of our eyes so that we may see you and that we would know you. We would know you this morning as our shepherd would really know you as the one shepherding us, caring for us, leading us, feeding us. We give you the praise and glory and ask that you would be Lord over this time. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Good to see everybody tonight. I mean, tonight. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. <laughs> Today, the message is entitled The Jesus Challenge. The Jesus Challenge. And this is number four in Restoring the Soul. And I'll just get you to, while the helicopters come over us, <laughs> well, the plan, whatever, is, uh, whatever it is. Uh, if you put your hands on your hearts and pray this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this, the Jesus challenge. Uh, before I get into this, Before I get into this, registration is closed now for the Father's Heart Unit. We've got a good class now, and our next intake of students will be in June and July. So now, if you want to come to Bible school, you'd need to get permission to come. So we're excited about what God was doing, uh, what God is doing, and what God has been doing. Um, And there was a great sense of God's presence last Monday especially as we were worshiping at the end, a great sense of God's presence, His Spirit, um, His power uh, moving, him, him revealing Himself. So excited about that, and we're thankful for everybody that's a part of that. So if you're a part of this semester, we're thankful for you. Now, getting into the message. Today... We will focus on God's ways. These ways will challenge us, but they are the only way to know Him. So these ways will challenge us, but they're the only way to know Him is through His ways. And at the end, I have an infographic that sums up some of the points here. It's more like a takeaway 
to, to ponder on as we go out. But that will be at the end. Now, Matthew 14, 13. And this has been the place we've been grazing in the last few weeks. And it's Jesus feeding the 5,000. So I'm going to read this. And uh, then we're going to talk about it some more. And I can't get away from this passage. It's important for our church and the church at large. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So that's our passage for this morning. And then also a key verse, this is something I've uh, translated recently, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Rely on Yahweh. And it's one of these simple infographics, big letters, uh, quite large uh, letters here. Not too much on the infographic, but let me read this to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Rely on Yahweh with all your heart and do not support yourself with your own understanding. Throughout your journey, pursue knowing Him. He will straighten, smooth, and level your way. So let me repeat that first part again. Rely on Yahweh. Amen? Rely on Yahweh with all your heart. And then, normally we hear this as, do not lean on your own understanding, which is a good way to put it. I have it here as, do not support yourself with your own understanding. And so there's always a uh, temptation in our lives to go our own way. And that is leaning on our own understanding, to go about ministry our own way, church our own way, our families our own way, uh, our, our lives, our vocation our own way. But here, wisdom tells us not to support ourselves with our own understanding, but to rely on Yahweh. And that throughout your journey, pursue knowing Him, and He will straighten smooth and level your way. So we are in this pursuit of knowing Him. And as we do, we get to know his ways. At the beginning, and this is a repeat. I've been repeating this the last couple of weeks. At the beginning of 2023, 
The Lord spoke to me saying, this is a year of recovery and restoration for my people all around the world. A Psalm 23 year. So I'm going to read again Psalm 23 in the translation that I'm, uh, I made. And one of the goals in this translation is to let you hear the word of God with different words. Because we get too familiar with our English uh, with the English translations that we're used to, we get too familiar with their words. And, and so bringing different words to say the same thing is important. Also, what I'm endeavoring to do is to translate the poetry and bring out the poetry of it also and lay it out poetically. So I have a few different aims in, in these translations. I'll explain it a little bit more as I go here. Here's Psalm 23, which is Adonai Roi. Adonai Roi, it starts off with, which is Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. I won't be without. In pastures green, he settles me. Beside waters gentle, he guides me. My soul, he restores. That part we've been focusing on, my soul, he restores. He leads me in paths trusted and right. Yes, that's who he is. Even if I walk in a valley fog, thick and dark, I fear no evil. Now, I'll just pause there. That is really the imagery of the Hebrew there is this dark, uh, fogged valley. For you are with me. Your rod and your support, they comfort me. You set before me a table across from those attacking me. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. Uh, we were having lunch. We had, we had a, a quite amazing uh, time after church last week. We, uh, Eva and Valerie wanted to walk around Chermside, term, so um, they went off. And then Anna and I said, oh, we have a date. We're by ourselves. We're never by ourselves on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> We have a date all these years. We never had this time on a Sunday afternoon. So where are we going to go? We went to a place that we normally don't go to. It's uh, called Grilled. Uh, we used to go there in the past. Have you ever been to Grilled, the hamburgers? They're, uh, they're pretty good, but we normally don't go there on a Sunday. And so we went there, and then as we're there, we see one of the, uh, one of the young women who used to come to Bible school when she was still like 16, 17. She'd come with her school uniform on. And this is the Dow who came to Bible school. And she was, we saw her and we greeted her and we told her about the Bible school. And you know what? She, would, she then came to Bible school for the first one last Monday, uh, 5.30 p.m. We got to talk. We got to pray together. She was the first student. She beat all of you. <laughs> And she's so hungry, and she's, she's registered, but somehow God led her steps that we were able to see her, and she was hungry for God to be working in her life. And I bring this up because we were sitting, before that we were sitting at the table, and Anna was like, uh, I just have a question for you about your translation, and uh, why do you say robustly? You know, you anoint robustly my head. Well, Robustly means something that's done in a strong way, purposeful, determined. It's not a casual thing. It's got a sense of uh, abundance to it, too. So 
this is why I've put that in there, bringing out the sense of how the Lord anoints our head. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. Yes, goodness and love kind pursue me all the days of my life, and I will be refreshed in Yahweh's house continually days without end. Amen. Amen. So that's our shepherd, and that's what he does. And I heard the Lord saying to me earlier this year, and even be, I think even before the year started, I heard the Lord saying, my people will be, and this all spells soul. And again, this is repeating from last week. Soaked in my love, my people will be soaked in my love, obedient to my word, understanding my ways. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Understanding my ways and loving me, my people, and the lost. So the Lord is restoring the soul of his people. It begins with being soaked in his love. Then it's outworked and being obedient to his word and understanding his ways. And this is something that the father, I, I feel on the father's heart, he's so passionate about us understanding his ways. We can experience his presence without understanding his ways. You think about Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration and here Jesus is being transfigured. His glory is shining out. He's talking with Moses and Elijah. And Peter is in the glory, in the glory with Jesus. But then he comes up with his own understanding. Let's stay camped here and build some booths and stay here and never leave, basically. Never leave. And that's when the, the father says, he didn't, it says in the scripture, he didn't know what he was saying. And that's when the Father comes from heaven and says, listen to Jesus, listen to him. In other words, don't listen to your own thoughts, even though you're experiencing the presence of God, listen to him. And the whole purpose of listening to Jesus is Jesus wants to go down the mount and deliver the people who are oppressed by demons and they are hungry for the word. He needs to minister the word. He needs to deliver the lost and seek the lost and the Lord wants us to be about that and but if we're listening to our own understanding we'll miss it and so we need to be always listening always listening to Jesus and not assuming here's another thing one of the ways that we miss God's way is we assume we assume he wants this we assume he wants that and this is why intimacy with him and then Knowing his word, his written word, is critical in not assuming, but asking and being still and listening. Understanding God's ways is the key to knowing him. Understanding God's ways is the key to knowing him. Moses prayed, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So notice how Moses prays here. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you. Teach me your ways so that I may know you. So notice how the two are connected. Teach me your ways so that I may know you. If we 
do not learn his ways, if we do not allow ourselves to be taught his ways, we won't know him. And we won't grow in his grace. So this heart to be taught his ways is critical to knowing our, our Lord. What are God's ways? God's ways are the paths he takes. These are both the paths paths he uses to get to us and the paths he leads us down. The crow even likes this one. He's excited over there. <laughs> so what are God's ways? God's ways are the paths he takes. These are both the paths he uses to get to us and the paths he leads us down. I know this is a small screen. This is just our old TV that we were given by our neighbors when they were moving. And they gave us this TV, but it, it's doing the job. <laughs> doing the job. As you walk these ways, God's ways, you get to know him. But be aware that these ways are higher than our ways and they will stretch you. We take the path of least resistance. So we, we take the path of least resistance. He takes the highest and costliest road. So we take the path of least resistance, but he takes the highest and costliest road. So this, these ways are going to stretch us and Here's a classic verse that many of us know, Isaiah 55, 9. Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if you go a verse ahead of that, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. They're higher. And again, as you walk these ways, you get to know him. But again, be aware that these God's ways are going to stretch you. So if you're going to get to know God, it, it, it's going to stretch you. Moving forward here, Jesus teaches his disciples his ways through feeding the 5,000. Jesus teaches his disciples his ways through feeding the 5,000. And when you're reading the Gospels, I want to encourage you, when you're reading, look for God's ways. What is his ways? How does he, how does he go about something? What's the process he takes his disciples through? What is he trying to teach them? Most people, when they hear the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, think, wow, he did a great miracle, and then they move on. They never really dig deep into it. They never seek the Lord and say, well, what was this about? Why did you go about it this way? What were, your, what were you teaching your disciples? What does this reveal about you? And so in order to get the most out of the word, the riches of the word, you need to go a little bit slower and start to pray into and 
ask, pray into the passage and ask questions about it. Well, Jesus is teaching his disciples his ways through feeding the 5,000. His way took their lack and turned it into a lavish feast for others. I'm going to say that till I hear an amen. amen. <laughs> His way took their lack and turned it into a lavish feast for others. But what way did he take them down to get them there? So what way, what pathway did he take them down to get them there? That's the, that's the question before us. Isn't it good to have Helen with us this Yay! morning? Hallelujah. <laughs> so let's go down Jesus' path. First, Jesus challenges them. This is a point that we've mentioned before. But this is why I've titled the message The Jesus Channel, uh, Challenge. So we go to turn over to Matthew 14, 16. We'll be here. For most of, the, most of the message now. Well, the crowd was getting too much. And so the disciples wanted to send the crowd away. It was too much for them. Too overwhelming for them. But what's the first thing Jesus does? Jesus challenges them. Jesus replied, their thought was send the crowd away. Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So the first thing that Jesus does is he challenges them. What else do you see after this? What else do you see in this story as far as the way that Jesus brings them down? I'd like to get a couple of short answers. As you read this, Matthew 14, 16 through 21. What else do you see? What, what, what else do you see in this story? Any thoughts? Lena? Yeah, but you can you can talk about that. So Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, good. Good. So here we see Jesus is in the beginning what Lena is saying is that Jesus withdrew by a boat privately. He had compassion for the people, and he got that compassion from intimacy with the Father. And he's also here endeavoring to teach his disciples compassion. That same compassion that he had for the people, he wants his disciples to have. So thank you, Lena. What else? What else do you see here in this story? They bring, they bring what they have to Jesus. And why do they do that? 
because Jesus says, bring them here to me. So they're responding to what Jesus is instructing them to do. What else? What else do you see? He looked up to heaven. He looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves, which reminds us of the Lord's table. And when you compare this giving thanks, Jesus gives thanks uh, here in this place, but also in communion. So there is a definite a connection between this passage and communion and giving thanks in communion. Those are very consistent connections throughout the gospel. Let me go on here and talk about this some more. If you haven't felt the challenge and the costliness of being Jesus' disciple, I would suggest that you haven't been listening to him. Because the first thing we see is he challenges them to go beyond themselves. Everything our Father has called us to do is challenging and costly. So Jesus, when we listen to Jesus, he challenges us. It's costly. The Lord is looking for a costly sacrifice. David said, I'm not going to give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. Everything our Father has called us to do is challenging and costly. Being a disciple is challenging and costly. So when you're feeling that challenge and costliness, know that you're on Jesus' way. But if you're not feeling that challenge and costliness, you may not be on his way. It's a, a good way to test. Second, second thing we see is that Jesus calls them to give. Matthew 14, 18. They say we, they only have a little. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, which we talked about last week. And what does Jesus say? Say to them, bring them here to me. So he's saying, he's inviting them and calling them, commanding them to give. Give these, this bread and this fish to him. Even though what they have is not enough, Jesus calls them to place it in his hands. So even though what they have is not enough, Jesus calls them to place it in his hands. That's a second major thing we see here as we're going down this path. What's next? Third. Third. Jesus takes what they have, looks up to heaven, and gives thanks. Jesus takes what they have, he looks up to heaven, and he gives thanks. And this is what Fran was mentioning. Jesus takes what they have, looks up to heaven, and gives, thank, gives, gives thanks. Gives thanks, yes. <laughs> And that's what we were focusing on last week. Living in thanksgiving, giving thanks. He didn't take the little and think, well, this is not enough, and get angry and throw it down. 
He took the little that they had and he offered it up to his father. He looked up to heaven rather than looking down at their lack. So we can either look down at our lack or we can look up to heaven and say, oh, we have this, we're giving it to you, Lord, and we know that you can do something with the little that we have. Well, fourth, Jesus breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples to distribute. So we see him giving thanks, and then he breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples to distribute. And here I want us to focus on God's way of brokenness. Hard bread doesn't break. Now, this, I had this happen the other day. I was making some uh, Italian dish uh, from my mom. I think it was like spaghettis and, spaghetti and meatballs. I was making these spaghetti and meatballs and had one of these uh, long pieces of Italian bread. Uh, but after a few days, the bread got so hard that it was almost impossible to break it. It was like a club. <laughs> it like turned into wood because it wasn't fresh. And this is what happens when bread, uh, especially certain types of bread, uh, they, they stay out too long. It loses its suppleness. It loses its softness. So hard bread doesn't break. But the bread here is, is soft and fresh. Our lives must be like fresh bread that Jesus can break and give to others. Our lives must be like soft bread that we put in the hands of Jesus. He can break and give it to others. The way of brokenness is one of the hardest to accept. This way of brokenness, we could also call it the way of the cross, is one of the hardest ways of God to accept. When we experience it, we think God is forsaking us, just like Psalm 22, 1, Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we are experiencing brokenness, we think God is forsaking us. The last few years, for us, God has brought us through intense brokenness, and this has been a hard pathway to go down, but my hope is found in what brokenness leads to, abundance. When you read the rest of the story, we see that their lack is turned into this lavish feast. God takes their brokenness and he makes abundance from it. But there's two types of brokenness. There's a worldly brokenness where you're, um, you're oppressed and, and in dis uh, despair, but also the, the devil has taken you and, and destroyed your life. This is a, a wrong type of, this is a worldly type of brokenness. This is not the type of brokenness we're talking about. We're talking about the brokenness of, the brokenness that comes from you putting yourself in the Lord's hands. This is a brokenness that comes from being in God's hands, doing things His way, and it, it hurts 
nevertheless, it hurts. Nonetheless, it hurts, but it's not the brokenness where you're outside of God's will. This is a brokenness inside God's will that comes from being obedient to him. Anyway, my hope is found in what brokenness leads to, and that is abundance. Can I hear an amen? A brokenness of when you're doing the Father's will, not your own will. Look at the way God brought Gideon and his army. Yahweh took Gideon into his hands and broke him, cutting his forces to the core. It's interesting when you get to... uh, know the root of the word Gidon in Hebrew, Gidon, which is Gideon in Hebrew, is to cut. So all throughout the story, you see God is cutting and chiseling away and pruning him. And this is really the root of the word Gideon, so his name matches the story. Yahweh took Gideon into his hands and broke him, cutting his forces to the core. He was left totally dependent on God. And this is the way of brokenness. This is the way the Father led Jesus, but it's also the way he leads all of us. It's the way he left Gideon. Gideon was totally dependent on God. How can I do this? How can I beat this army that's 120,000 or more, and all we have is 300, 300. God brought the, whittled down the army to 300. Totally, uh, a total contrast to what would be needed. And of course, the way of the world is, well, they have 100, it's a numbers game. They have 120,000. Well, we need 300,000 and then we can beat them. But God's way is not the numbers game. Because he is all in all and all powerful. So here, Gideon was left totally dependent on God. And that's when Yahweh brought about a mighty victory. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Gideon's army won. We know he routed out the enemy. We know it was miraculous. But we look at the way God brought him and the way God brought him was through brokenness and pruning and cutting down. Lastly, and we're almost near an end here, lastly, our shepherd takes our lack and makes it into a lavish feast. We'll read this again. Then he gave them to his disciples the loaves that he had broke, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. They didn't have 12 basketfuls in the beginning. They barely had one. And yet, in giving and doing the Father's will, in giving and doing the Father's will and distributing the quote-unquote lack they had, in the end, they're left over with 12 basketfuls, which would have been very good for the disciples as they went on their way and would feed them for some time. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So my cup runneth over. My cup runs over. 
Again, what I want us to see is there's a deep connection between Psalm 23 and the feeding of the 5,000. Here the Lord, through feeding the 5,000, is showing himself to be our shepherd. And he takes our lack and he transforms it. And now they are feasting. It ends in verse 21 with the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. So our shepherd takes our lack and makes it into a lavish feast. The whole process teaches us faith. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> the whole process teaches us faith. And it also makes us like our shepherd who became broken to feed us. And this is what the Lord is doing through us going down his way is that he's making us like Jesus. He's making us like our shepherd, the father. The father is making us like his shepherd, Jesus. Again, the whole process teaches us faith and it also makes us like our shepherd who became broken to feed us. And that brokenness was seen on the cross when Jesus died and the purpose of that was to feed us, to feed our souls. He became the broken bread to feed us. And then we read in John that he is the bread. He is the bread of life. So here's the infographic that it's just off the press. <laughs> Just off the press, what are God's ways? So this one sums up what we've been talking about. What are God's ways? First, God's ways are how he does things. And it says in Deuteronomy 10, 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. We see that mirrored in Proverbs, which says, rely on Yahweh with all your heart, <laughs> with all your heart. And what are God's ways? The second thing is, they are like paths. God's ways are like paths. They are the paths he takes and that he calls us to take. They are different from what we usually choose. We cho choose the easy road. We choose the path of least resistance. But God chooses the highly costly road. Amen? Hallelujah. Third. His ways, they reflect who he is. God's ways reflect his nature and character. He calls us to go down his ways because he wants us to be like him. We see this in John, uh, 1 John 2, 3 through 6, that the Lord wants us to be like him, and that's a true Christian is someone that is like Jesus. God's ways reflect his nature and character. And we see this way in the feeding of the 5,000, his way of brokenness. He became, here he's taking this bread and breaking it, but it's symbolic of who he is. He is the broken bread that feeds the hungry masses. 
and we may have the Asbury Revival. You know, they had so many people coming in that the town said, we can't take this anymore because the town's only 6,000 people and there was 15, 20,000, maybe 30,000 more people coming into town. They couldn't feed them. And the town said, well, we're going to have to do something different. And I'm not here to judge because I believe that these people that are running the Asbury College are some of the best people. And God has blessed them with this amazing outpouring of his spirit. So I'm very grateful. But notice how the nets were breaking. The people couldn't handle all the people. But here is Jesus. And though there is thousands upon thousands of people, he is feeding them. He is feeding, and that's who he is. He, he became broken so that he can feed the masses of this world. He, he feeds everyone that's hungry. Well, the fourth thing is God's ways will stretch you. <laughs> they will stretch you. His ways are higher than our ways. You may want revenge, but God desires mercy. That, would, that will stretch you. Choosing his way will stretch you. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. The last thing is the Father's ways are summed up in his ultimate way, Jesus. God has many ways, but they are all summed up in his son, Jesus. Jesus leads us to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to say that again, John 14, 6, because it's so important. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What happens when you come to the Father through Jesus? When you come to the Father, He transforms you to become like Jesus. So these two, the Father and the Son, are interconnected. Like I say it at Bible school, it's like the wheel within the wheel. Through Jesus, we come to the Father. And when we come to the Father, what does He do? He transforms us to become like Jesus. So the Father leads us to the Son, and the Son leads us to the Father. How beautiful is that? The Father's ways are summed up in His ultimate way, Jesus. So that's our latest infographic. And then I want to share with you... Uh, excuse me? Oh, yeah, yeah, the lighthouse. Now, I want to share with you some more of the prophetic word that I received when I was on uh, the prairie tree. And this one began where the Lord was uh, warning us to watch out for deceiving spirits. Now, I'm not going to share the whole thing. I'm just going to share two paragraphs here because I, I don't want to overwhelm you. Here is what the Father was sharing with me. My heart breaks for my people because they don't listen to me. They are taught by other spirits rather than my Holy Spirit. My way is the way of the word, the way of truth. My people must surrender their thoughts, opinions, and feelings to me. Without submission and surrender, they will be trampled on by the evil one and his hordes of hell. 
But through submission and surrender, they can resist the devil and he will flee from them. And that was from my journal 25, January 2023. Some of the first words that God spoke to me when I uh, went on the prayer retreat. And here we, we're again reminded of Peter. He ha- he's filled with his own thoughts on the Mount of Transfiguration. But the Father says to him, listen to him, listen to Jesus. So as God's people, we must surrender our thoughts, opinions, and feelings in order to follow. If you're following your thoughts, you're not going to be following Jesus. If you follow your opinions and your assumptions, you're not going to be following Jesus. If you follow your feelings, you're not going to be following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to transcend your thoughts, opinions, and feelings, feelings to listen to Him, to be in submission And when you're in submission to God, then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. So that's, you can get all this on the presentation to to read it again. This is the last slide. Brokenness that comes from placing yourself in Jesus' hands is one of the ways Yahweh restores our souls. Again, it seems paradoxical. Brokenness is the way that we are restored and made whole. Yes, but it's a brokenness that comes from being in Jesus' hands, not being in the devil's camp. We see that type of brokenness. You you have uh, the prodigal son, and he's fleeing from the father's house. He becomes more and more broken. But God uses that even to, to bring him to his senses, and he runs back to the father's house. Again, there's another kind of brokenness. This brokenness is placing yourself in the Lord's hands. And this brokenness is one of the ways Yahweh restores our souls. Amen? We're going to pray. Lord, we just bless you because your ways are higher than our ways. And that, Lord, you take our lack and you make it into a lavish feast. We come to you in surrender and submission. We don't want to do church our way. We don't want to do ministry our way. We don't want to do our families our way. We don't want to do life our way. We want to do it your way. We know it's costly. We know it means denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following you but we want to do things your way. And so we're placing ourselves in your hands, in worship, in devotion. We're placing yourself in your hands. God, I know that there's so many spirits that have come to try to distract your people, to keep them from listening to your word, to keep them from your house, to keep them distracted by so many different things. And I'm praying that you would deliver us Deliver us from all these distractions and spirits and that we would listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be our teacher and we would be taught by you. Father, take this word and just bring it into people's homes and lives and ears that you want it to go through. Let it spread. Take this bread and spread it. Spread it around, Father. 
Thank you, Jesus. We just put, we put it all into your hands, Jesus. Amen.